Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Well, I hope waiting a month was worth it to get to chapter three. (laughs) We're terrible. We kind of took an impromptu. And a happy new year. Yeah, happy new year. An impromptu winter break. I guess we should have started Harry Potter after. There's going to be a lot of frustrated people, huh? We're very sorry. We had so much going on. Okay, so did you. It's no excuse. My goodness. All right. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Chapter 3. The Letters from No One. The escape of the Brazilian boa constrictor earned Harry his longest ever punishment. By the time he was allowed out of his cupboard again, the summer holiday had started and Dudley had already broken his new video camera, crashed his remote control airplane, burst time, and First time out on his racing bike, knocked down old Miss Fig as she crossed Private Drive in her, on her crutches. Harry was glad school was over, but there was no escaping Dudley's gang who visited the house every single day. Piers, Dennis, Malcolm, and Gordon were all big and stupid, but as Dudley was the biggest and stupidest of the lot, he was the leader. The rest of them were quite happy to join Dudley's favorite sport, Harry hunting. This is why Harry spent so much time as as much time as possible out of the house, wandering around and thinking about the end of holidays where he could see a tiny ray of hope. When September came, he would be going off to secondary school and for the first time in his life, he wouldn't be with Dudley. Dudley had been accepted at Uncle Vernon's old private school, Smeldings. Oh, his old private school, Smeltings. What a terrible name for a school, huh? Mm -hmm. Smeltings? Piers Polkis was going there too. Harry, on the other hand, was going to Stonewall High, the local public school. Dudley thought that this was very funny. They stuff people's heads down the toilet on the first day of stone- at Stonewall, he told Harry. Want to come upstairs and practice? Uh, no thanks, Harry said. The poor toilet's never had anything as horrible as your head in it and might get sick. Then he ran before Dudley could... Wait, Harry said a sassy thing to him? i got to read that again. I can't believe that. No thanks, said Harry. The poor toilet's head has never had anything as horrible as your head down it and might get sick. Then he ran before Dudley could work out what he'd said. On uh, one day in July, Aunt Petunia took Dudley to London to buy Smelting's uniform, leaving Harry at Mrs. Fig's. Mrs. Fig wasn't as bad as usual. It turned out that she'd broken her leg tripping over one of her cats, and she didn't seem quite as fond of them as before. She let Harry watch television and gave him a bit of chocolate cake that tasted as though it She'd had it for several years. That evening, Dudley paraded around the living room for for the family in his brand new uniform. Smelting's boys wore maroon tailcoats, orange knickerbockers. What's a knickerbocker? Like pants? 
I don't know what a knickerbocker. Oh, they're um, bo- knickerbockers. I think. I think just pants. Yeah. And a flat straw hat called boaters. They also carried knob. Oh my gosh. It's supposed to be boxers. Yeah, but no, they, you wouldn't be able to see his boxers in his uniform for school. The teachers. Uh, uh, he also carried knobby sticks used for hitting each other while the teachers weren't looking. This was supposed to be a good training for later life. As he looked at Dudley in his new knickerbockers, Uncle Vernon said gruffly, said gruffly that it was the proudest moment of his life. Aunt Petunia burst into tears and said that she couldn't believe it was her ickle Dudleykins. He looked so handsome and grown up, he didn't even trust himself to speak. Oh, Harry didn't trust himself to speak. He thought two, he thought two of his ribs might already have cracks from trying not to laugh there was a horrible smell in the kitchen uh there was a horrible smell in the kitchen the next morning when harry went went for breakfast it seemed to be coming from a large metal tub in the sink he went to have a look and the tub was full of what looked like dirty dirty rags swimming in gray water what's this he asked aunt petunia her lips tightened as they always did as if he dared to ask a question your u- new uniform, she said. Harry looked in the bowl again. Oh, he said. I didn't realize it had to be wet. Don't be stupid, Aunt Petunia snapped. I'm dyeing some of Dudley's old things gray for you. It'll look just like everyone else's when I've finished. Harry seriously doubted this, but though it seemed best not to argue. He sat down at the table and tried not to think about how he was going to look on his first day at Stonewall High, like he was wearing bits of old elephant skin, probably. Dudley and Uncle Vernon came into the came into the room, both wrinkled their noses from the smell of Harry's new uniform. Uncle Vernon opened his newspaper as usual, and Dudley banged his smelting stick, which carried which he carried everywhere on the table. They heard the click of the mail slot and a flop of letters on the doormat. Get the mail, Dudley, said, oh, get the mail, Dudley, said Uncle Vernon from behind his paper. Make Harry get it. Get the mail, Harry. Aw, that's rude, huh? Make Dudley get it. Poke him with your smelting stick, Dudley. Harry dodged the smelting stick and went to get the mail. Three things lie on the doormat. A postcard from Uncle Vernon's sister, Marge, who was vacationing on the Isle of Wight. A brown envelope that looked like a bill and... A letter for Harry? Harry picked it up and stared at it, his heart twanging like a gigantic gigantic elastic band. No one ever in his whole life had ever written him a letter. What is it? Let me see. He's underneath his leaf. Oh my gosh. Peyton has a little caterpillar and she's been feeding it and he's sleeping under his leaf. That is so cute. Um, never in his life, um, whole life had written to him. Who would? He had no friends, no other relatives. He didn't belong to the library, so he never gotten any rude notes asking for books back. Yet, there was a letter, addressed so plainly there could be no mistake. Mr. H. Potter, the cupboard under the stairs, for private drive, little winging Surrey. The envelope was thick and heavy and made of yellow yellowish parchment and the address was written in emerald green ink there was no stamp turning the envelope over his hand trembling 
Harry saw a purple wax seal bearing a coat of arms, a lion, an eagle, a badger, and a snake surrounding the large letter H. Hurry up, boy, shouted Uncle Vernon from the kitchen. What are you doing? Cheek checking for bombs? He chuckled at his own joke. Harry went back to the kitchen, still staring at his letter. He handed Uncle Vernon the bill and the postcard and sat down and slowly began to open the yellow envelope. Uncle Vernon ripped that open the bill and snorted in disgust and flipped over the postcard. Marge is ill, he informed Aunt Petunia. Ate a funny whelk. What's a whelk? No idea either. Dad, Dudley said suddenly, Dad, Harry's got something. Harry was on the point of unfolding his letter, which was written on the same heavy parchment as the envelope, when it was jerked sharply out of his hand by Uncle Vernon. That's mine. Oh, oh, sorry, I was being Uncle Vernon. That's mine, Harry said, trying to snatch it back. Who'd be writing to you, Uncle Vernon sneered, shaking the letter open with one hand and glancing at it. His face went from red to green faster than the set of traffic lights. And it didn't stop there. Within seconds, it was grayish, whitish color of old porridge. Petunia. Dudley tried to grab the letter and read it, but Uncle Vernon held it high out of his reach. Aunt Petunia took it curiously, took it curiously and read the first line. For a moment, it looked as though she might faint. She clutched her throat and made a choking noise. Vernon! Oh my goodness, Vernon! They stared at each other, seeming to have forgotten that Harry and Dudley were still in the room. Dudley wasn't used to being ignored. He gave his father a sharp tap on the head with some with the smelting stick. I want to read that letter, he said loudly. I want to read that letter, Harry said furiously. It's mine. Get out, both of you, croaked Uncle Vernon, stuffing the letter back into the envelope. Harry didn't move. I want my letter, he shouted. Wow, he's getting, like, really, like, sassy in this chapter, huh? I know, but he's usually so passive. Let me see it, demanded Dudley. Out, roared Uncle Vernon. And he took both Harry and Dudley by the scruff of their necks and threw them in the hall, slamming the kitchen door behind them. Harry and Dudley promptly had a furious but silent fight over who would listen to the keyhole. Dudley won, so Harry... His glasses dangling from one ear, lie flat on his stomach and listened at the crack between the door and the floor. Vernon, Aunt Petunia was saying in a quivering voice, look at the address. How could it possibly know where he sleeps? You don't think that they're watching the house? Watching, spying, might be following us, Uncle Vernon muttered. What? But what should we do, Vernon? Should we write back, tell them that we don't want? Harry could see Uncle Vernon's shiny black shoes pacing up and down the kitchen. No, he finally said. No, we'll ignore it. If they don't get an answer, yes, that's best. We won't do anything. But I'm not having one in this house, Petunia. I didn't we swear that we, when we took him in that we'd stamp out the dangerous nonsense? That evening when, when he got back, wait, that evening when he got back from work, Uncle Vernon did something he'd never done before. He visited Harry in his cupboard. Where's my letter? Harry said at the moment that Uncle Vernon had squeezed through the door. Who's writing to me? No one. It was addressed to you by mistake, Uncle Vernon said shortly. I've burned it. That was not a mistake, Harry said angrily. It had my cupboard on it. Silence, yelled Uncle Vernon. 
and a couple of spiders fell from the ceiling. He took a few deep breaths and then forced his face to a smile, which looked quite painful. I know what a cupboard is, but it said, what do you mean by cupboard? On the envelope, it said cupboard. Like, it said, you know how, like, you have your address? And above the address, it said cupboard beneath the stairs. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes, Harry, about the cupboard. Your aunt and I have been thinking. You're really getting big for it, and we think it might be nice if you moved into Dudley's second bedroom. He has two bedrooms? Oh, my gosh. Why, Harry said. Don't ask questions, snapped his uncle. Take this stuff upstairs now. The Dursley's house had four bedrooms. One for Uncle Vernon, one for Aunt Aunt Petunia, one for visitors, usually Uncle Vernon's sister Marge, one where Dudley slept, and one where Dudley kept all of the toys and things that he couldn't fit into his first bedroom. It only took Harry one trip upstairs to move everything that he owned from the cupboard into this room. Yeah, I know. He sat down on the bed and stared around him. Nearly everything in there was broken. The month-old video camera was lying on the top of a small working tank that Dudley had once driven over the next-door neighbor's dog. Oh my gosh, this kid is terrible. In the corner was Dudley's first ever television set, which he'd put his foot through when his favorite program had been canceled. There was a large birdcage, which had once held a parrot that Dudley had swapped at school for an air rifle. That's a gun. Which was up on the shelf at the end of the bent, all the, up at the shelf with all the end, wait, what? Up on the shelf with the end all bent because Dudley had sat on it. Other shelves were full of books. They were the only things in the room that looked as though they'd never been touched. From downstairs came the sound of Dudley bawling bawling at his mother. I don't want him in there. I need that room. Make him get out. Harry sighed and stretched out on the bed. Yesterday, he had given given up anything to be here. Today, he'd rather be back under his cupboard with that letter than up here without it. The next morning at breakfast, everyone was rather quiet. Dudley was in shock. He'd screamed, whacked his father with a smelting stick, been sick on purpose, kicked his mother, and thrown his tortoise through the greenhouse roof, yet he still didn't have his room back. Harry was thinking about this time yesterday and bitterly wishing that he'd opened that letter in the hall. Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia kept looking at each other darkly. When the mail arrived, Uncle Vernon, who seemed to be trying to be nice to Harry, made Dudley go and get it. They heard him banging on things and with the smelting stick all the way down the hall, and then he shouted, There's another one! Mr. H. Potter, the smallest bedroom for private drive. With a, strangle, a strangled cry, Uncle Vernon leapt from his seat and rammed down the hallway, Harry right behind him. Uncle Vernon had to wrestle Dudley to the ground to get the letter from him, which made it difficult by the fact that Harry had grabbed Uncle Vernon around the neck, around the neck from behind. It, I, you'd think that Dudley would be like, "I'm going to sneak and read it, and we can read it together." You know what I mean? Because they're both so curious about it. After a minute of confused fighting, in which everyone got hit by a lot of the hit a lot by the smelting stick, Uncle Vernon straightened up, gap, gasping for breath. Well, with Harry's letter clutched in his hand. Go to your cupboard. I mean your bedroom, he wheezed at Harry. Dudley, go. Just go. Harry walked around, the, around and around his new room. Someone knew that he had moved out of his cupboard and they had just seemed to know that he hadn't 
received his first letter. Surely that meant that they'd try again, and this time he'd make sure that they didn't fail. He had a plan. The repaired alarm clock rang at six o'clock the next morning. Harry turned it off quickly and dressed silently. He mustn't wake the Dursleys. He stole down. He stole downstairs without turning on any of the lights. He was going to wait for the postman at the corner private drive and get the letters from number four first. His heart hammered as he crept across the dark hall towards the front door. Arg! Harry leapt out into the air. He'd trodden onto something big and squishy on the doormat. Something alive! Lights clicked on upstairs, and to his horror, Harry realized that the big squashy something had been his uncle's face. Oh my gosh, he was sleeping there. Uncle Vernon had been lying on the floor in front of the door in a sleeping bag, clearly making sure that Harry did not do exactly what he'd been trying to do. He he shouted at Harry for about half an hour and then told him to go make a cup of tea. Harry shuffled miserably off into the kitchen, and by the time he got back, the mail had arrived right on Uncle Vernon's lap. Harry could see the three letters addressed in green ink. Three? Oh my gosh. I want, he began, but Uncle Vernon was tearing the letters into pieces before his eyes. Uncle Vernon did not go to work that day. He stayed at home and nailed the, the mail slot shut. See, he explained to Aunt Petunia through the mouthfuls of nails. If they can't deliver, we'll just, they'll just give up. I'm not sure that'll work, Vernon. Oh, those people's minds work in strange, way, strange ways, Petunia, and they're not like you and me, said Uncle Vernon, trying to knock the nail with a piece of fruitcake. First of all, they could have put it through a window. Second of all, they could slide it under the door, or they could put it just on the doormat. That's true. Um, okay, trying to knock, okay, trying to knock, in a nail with a piece of fruitcake Aunt Petunia had just brought him. On Friday, no less than 12 letters had arrived for Harry. As they couldn't go through the mail slot, they'd been pushed under the door, slotted through the sides, and a few even forced through the small window in the downstairs bathroom. Just like you said. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you're smart. Uncle Vernon stayed at home again. After burning all of the letters, he got out a hammer and nails and boarded up the cracks around the front door, the back doors, so that no one could get in. He hummed, uh, he hummed tiptoe through the little tulips as he worked and jumped at small noises. What? It's a creepy song. Tiptoe. Oh, you think that's it? That, that's what the song tip-toe is. Tiptoe through the tulips. Oh my God, that's creepy. Okay, I never realized that. that. I don't know if that was in the movie. Oh my God, that is a creepy song. That's the song from the scary movie. And I want to say it just in case it's inappropriate for people listening. Okay. That's really scary videos. Yeah. On Saturday, things began to get out of hand. 24 letters to Harry found their way into the house, rolled up in hidden sides of the door. Wait, hidden inside each of the two dozen eggs that, that their very confused milkman had handed Aunt Petunia through the living room window. While Uncle Vernon made a furious phone call to the post office and the dairy trying to find someone to complain to, Aunt Petunia shredded the letters in her food processor. Who on earth wants to talk to you this badly, Dudley asked in amazement. On Sunday morning, Uncle Vernon sat down at the breakfast table looking tired and rather ill, but happy. 
No post on Sundays, he reminded them cheerfully as he spread the marmalade on his newspaper. No damn letters today. I know, it says damn in there. Something Something came whizzing down the kitchen chimney as he spoke and caught him sharply on the back of his head. The next moment, 30 or 40 letters came pelting out of the fireplace like bullets. The Dursleys ducked, but Harry leapt into the air, trying to catch one. Out! Out! Uncle Vernon seized Harry around the waist and threw him into the hall. When Aunt Petunia and Dudley had ran out with their arms over their faces, Uncle Vernon slammed the door shut. They could just hear the letters still streaming into the room, bouncing off the walls and floor. That does it, Uncle Vernon said, trying to speak calmly, but pulling great tufts of out of his mustache at the same time. I want you all back here in five minutes, ready to leave. We're going away. Just pack some clothes. No arguments. He took. He looked so dangerous with half of his mustache missing that no one dared argue. Ten minutes later, they had wrenched their way through the boarded-up doors and were in the cars, speeding towards the highway. Question. Yeah? Uh, they're going to, you'll see. Dudley was sniffling in the back seat. His father had hit him around, hit him round the head for holding them up while they tried to pack his television, VCR, and computer in his sports bag. Sports bag. They drove, and they drove. Even Aunt Petunia didn't dare ask where they were going. Every now and then, Uncle Vernon would take a sharp turn and drive the opposite direction for a while. Oh my gosh, he's like really trying to hide. Shake him off, shake him off, he wanted to mutter. He he would mutter whenever whenever he did this. Don't they don't stop to eat or they didn't stop to eat or drink all day. By nightfall, Dudley was howling. He had never had such a bad day in his life. He was hungry. He'd missed five television programs that he wanted to see, and he'd never gone so long without blowing up an alien on his computer. Uncle Vernon stopped at last outside of the gloomy-looking hotel on the outskirts of a big city. Dudley and Harry shared a room with twin beds and a damp, musty sheet. Oh, damp and damp, musty sheets. Dudley snored, but Harry stayed awake, sitting on the sitting on the windowsill, staring down at the lights of passing cars and wondering. They ate stale cornflakes and cold tinned tomatoes on toast for breakfast the next day. They had just finished when the owner of the hotel came over to their table. Excuse me, but this one's for you, Mr. H. Potter. I only got about a hundred of them on the front desk. She held up the letter so that they could read the green ink. Mr. H. Potter, Room 17, Railview Hotel, Cokeworth. Harry made a grab for the letter, but Uncle Vernon knocked his hand out of the way. The woman stared. I'll take them, Uncle Vernon said, standing up quickly and following her out to the dining room. Wouldn't it be better to just go home, dear, Aunt Petunia suggested timidly hours later. But Uncle Vernon did not seem to hear her. Exactly what he was looking for, none of them knew. He drove them into the middle of a forest, got out, looked around, shook his head, and got back in the car, and off they went again. The same thing happened in the middle of a plowed field, halfway across the suspension bridge and at top of the millweed parking garage. Dad's gone mad, hasn't he? Dudley asked Aunt Petunia. Um, Uncle Vernon had parked 
at the coast, locked them inside the car, and disappeared. It started to rain. Great drops beat on the roof of the car. Dudley sniffled. It's Monday, he told his mother. The great Humbero's on tonight. I want to stay somewhere where there's a television. Monday, his, this, oh, Monday, this reminded Harry of something. It was Monday, and you could usually count on Dudley to know the days of the week because of the television. Then tomorrow, Tuesday, was Harry's 11th birthday. Of course his birthday was never exactly fun. Last year, the Dursleys had given him a coat hanger and a pair of Uncle Vernon's old socks. Still, you weren't 11 every day. Uncle Vernon was back, and he was smiling. He was, he was also carrying a long, thin package and didn't answer Aunt Petunia when she asked what he'd bought. Found the perfect place, he said. Come on, everyone, out. It was, the, it was very cold outside the car. Uncle Vernon was pointing at what looked like a large rock all the way out to the sea. Perched on top of the rock was the most miserable little shack you could imagine. One thing was for certain that there was no television in there. Storm forecasted for the night. Oh, storm forecast for the night, Uncle Vernon said gleefully, clapping his hands together. And this gentleman's kindly agreed to lend us his boat. A toothless old man came am ambling up to them, pointing with a rather wicked grin, and an old rowboat, rowboat bobbling in the gray iron water below them. I have already got some rations, said Uncle Vernon, so all aboard. It was freezing in the boat. Icy sea spray and rain crept down their necks and chilly wind whipped their faces. After what seemed like for hours, they reached the rock where Uncle Vernon, slipping and sliding, led the way to the broken down house. Inside was this horrible smell, strongly of seaweed, and the wind whistled whistled through the gaps in the wooden walls and the fireplace was damp and empty. There were only two rooms. Uncle Vernon's rations turned out to be a bag of chips each and four bananas. He tried to start a fire, but the empty chip bag just smoked and shriveled up. Could do with some of those letters now, eh? He said cheerfully. He was in a very good mood. Obviously, he thought that nobody stood a chance of reaching him in the in, here in the storm to deliver mail. Harry privately agreed, though the thought didn't cheer him up at all. As night fell, he, he, the promised storm blew up around them. Spray from the high waves splattered the walls as all of the hut, and the fierce wind rattled the filthy windows. Aunt Petunia found a few moldy blankets ugh, in the second room and made up a bed for Dudley on the moth-eaten sofa. She and Uncle Vernon went off into the lumpy bed next door, and Harry was left to find the softest bit of floor he could and curl up into, curl up under the thinnest, most ragged blanket. The storm raged more and more ferociously as the night went on. Harry couldn't sleep. He shivered and turned over, trying to get comfortable. His stomach rumbled with hunger. Dudley's snores were drowned by the low rolls of thunder that started near midnight. The, light di the lighted dial of Dudley's watch, which was dangling over the edge of the sofa on his fat wrist, told Harry that he'd been 11, 10 minutes, and he'd be 11 and 10 minutes time. He lie and watched his birthday tick nearer and nearer, wondering if the Dursleys would remember it all, wondering where the letter was, the letter writer was now. 
Five minutes ago, oh, five minutes to go, Harry said, Harry heard something creak outside. He hoped that the roof wasn't going to fall in, although he might be, it might be warmer if he did. Four minutes to go. Maybe the house on private drive would be so full of letters when they got back that he'd be able to steal one somehow. <gasps> Three minutes to go. Was that the sea slapping so hard on the rock like that? And two minutes to go. What was that funny crunching noise? Was the rock crumbling into the sea? One minute to go and he'd be 11. 30 seconds. 20. 10. 9. Maybe he'd wake Dudley, wake up Dudley just to annoy him. 3. 2. 1. Boom! The whole shack shivered and Harry sat bolt upright, staring at the door. Someone was outside, knocking to come in. Oh, pa- are you sleeping? She's asleep, you guys. That's true. Otherwise, she wouldn't be talking. Did you hear what happened? Yeah, no, she didn't hear what happened. That's okay. She'll listen to it later. Okay, see you guys later.